Good to have you folks here this morning. We've had a whirlwind week. Um, my family went on a little mini vacation. We went, um, saw some friends, and then we picked up my mother-in-law. This is my wife's mom, Harriet Jackson, over here. Just a nice lady. I love my wife's mother-in-law. And um, and so, if anybody else has an extra bed I can sleep on this week, that'd be great. Um, but then we went. We, we so so we went to this place called the Creation Museum, um, and then we went and saw the Ark Encounter. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with either of those, but a gentleman by the name of Ken Ham began this ministry years ago called Answers in Genesis, and he created this creation museum that is just full of information on how to interpret data that has been discovered to verify a young earth and, and a literal six-day creation. And, um, and it was really enjoyable, um, except for the slow people in front of me. Um, they read much slower than I do, and uh, it was inexcusable. But then, but then the next day we went. <laughs> but then the next day we went to the ark, and I mean, it's something you, you got to see. I mean, it's not Disney World, so I mean, not like you're not going to go on a lot of rides. But the it's built to scale, like the actual size of the ark, and it has all the levels. and And then they spent so much time uh, creating an environment that made you feel like this is how. It really could have happened. I mean, you can really have all the animals in this ark and dinosaurs in this ark. Um, and uh, it was not a stretch. It is absolutely possible for it to have happened. Um, and, and it was, it was enjoy. It, it's a long trip, but it was something that I would recommend you do at least once in your lifetime. It was educational. It was inspiring. Um, and it was it was awesome, like how the word was actually originally meant to be used, that it, it created awe, and that was a beautiful, a beautiful thing that we were able to experience together. So it's been a whirlwind week for us, but it's so good to be back. Thank you for being here um, this Sunday morning, and we hope that this whole service is a blessing to you. And I'm being really nice to you because I know where we're going in the message. And and I'm like a people pleaser kind of guy, so it's like I want you to like me, right? And 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 so when you start delving into topics like this that are like landmines, you you just have to do it because you know God wants you to do it. That's just it's what you got to do. So we're going to talk about this idea of the blessed life. This is the second week in our series, and last week, if you remember, we talked about the key to a blessed life is a generous heart. Because the Bible it gives us information like if, if you sow sparingly, if you don't plant much, you're not going to reap much. But if, you, but if you sow generously, then you will reap generously. So the key to a blessed life is this, is this heart of generosity that, that, man, God has just given us so much stuff that it's like we have to kind of, and if we want to live the blessed life, give back in accordance with, with how he has blessed us and, and, and then just see what God does. And so, so we agreed last week that we are a blessed people. We, are, we live a blessed life. We live in a blessed country. And, and the good news about that is that we get to enjoy everything God has given to us. The bad news is that we are below average givers. We as a, as a whole, as a nation, the average American only gives 
of their entire personal wealth to any kind of charity. Now, here's what is amazing to me is that, is that if you make, this is on average, if you make $10,000 a year or less, you give 5.2% on average. So you give above the national average if you make less. And then, okay, and then if you make over $200,000 a year, the average person who makes $200,000 a year gives less than 1% to any type of charity. But never fear. Because even though we are below average givers, most of us are above average spenders. In fact, we're so good at spending, most of us spend more than we earn. Just like our government. But here's what I hope for you to learn this morning, and that is that God is actually testing you. So this, I think what God wants us to know, and God wants to know is will you love and trust money or will you love and trust God? So kind of segueing from last week, right? We understand that a generous heart is the key to a blessed life. And so today what we're going to talk about is what that looks like a little bit. And God has put so many times in his word that how you handle your finances is an indicator of what's going on inside. In Luke chapter 16, verses 10 and 11, here's Jesus speaking. He spoke on the topic of money more than just about anything. And before I go any further, I just got to get this off my chest. This is one of those topics that, that uh, when visitors come to visit, they're going to think that's all you talk about. But we don't talk about this much, do we? This is like this is like once a year kind of stuff. It's hardly ever. As a matter of fact, I met with leadership, our leadership team um, last Friday and kind of spread some of this out there. And I said, I just, you know how uncomfortable I feel about this. I just want to make sure. And and unanimously, they said, this is this is what we need to talk about. This we need to hear this information. So so understand my heart. I'm a happy guy. I love my life. We don't need your money. Keep giving. But we, we're debt-free. We're, we're, not, we're not like, I'm not worried about a mortgage payment as a church. We're, we, my biggest concern is that we keep giving to our missionaries um, and, 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 that, and that we keep doing what we, what we promised people that we would do in that area. Um, and so that, I want you to know that my desire from this message is for you and I to be having a conversation in three months, and you tell me how your faith has grown because you obeyed God in the area of finances. That's what I'm hoping to hear. That's my heart. That's, that's the reason for all of this, because how you handle your money is a huge indicator in where your walk with God is. So Luke chapter 16, here's Jesus talking. He says, he that is faithful in that which is least 
is faithful also in much. And if you know much about this passage, he's been talking about money. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. So he's saying the least of these things is money. And so if if I can trust you with how you handle your finances, then I can trust you with how you handle much more important things. But Eric, money is important. It is important. It's just the least of the most important things. But it is important. It's just not as important. Maybe it's important because it... It's a good indicator, right? So if therefore, Jesus continues to say, you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon. That's an old King James word that means wealth or money or success. If you're not faithful in that, like your bank account, then who will commit to your trust the true riches? It's a great question that Jesus is posing. And so my question to you is, if that is so, if, if it's offensive to you to hear a pastor get up and share the words of Jesus about money, maybe that's an indicator that there's an issue. Maybe it's not the fact that I'm talking about it. Maybe it's the fact that you're not doing it. And I say that in all sincerity and love because I think that our reaction usually is a revealing of what is on the inside. So how you handle money is an indicator of how, God says, you'll handle true riches. So here's what God knows. That money will be the number one competitor for your heart. And that's why it's addressed so frequently. And that's why so many people get so defensive about a message like this. Because here's the truth. Money is a counterfeit God. You say, Eric, that's kind of stretching it a little bit. No, no. Here's the thing. Because money becomes your great provider. Right? And that's why we're so defensive of it. I need 100% of everything I'm making, then some, Eric. I need, I need all that. I, because I put my faith and trust in my paycheck. I put my faith and trust in how much I can earn. Money is a counterfeit God. Why do I say that? Because money promises you security. But God is the only one that can really provide security. But don't we spend so much time trying to save and get ready for retirement? And and the bigger your bank account, the more secure you feel. If you have just a, a little bit more, you'll feel a little bit more secure. Money promises you freedom, but only God can give you freedom. Money promises you a sense of of power. Like I have purchasing power. I can buy whatever I want so that I feel however I want to feel. Money promises you significance. If I just had some more money, I'd feel important. I'd feel like somebody. I would drive a, a certain car. I'd have a certain status. I'd have a certain emblem on my jacket. And so money becomes the counterfeit God because the truth of the matter is, money never satisfies. Money never satisfies. It makes you think that having more of it will do the trick, but once you have that, you just need more. 
And Jesus specifically addresses this tug of war between money and God. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, he says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. And then here's a nice consensus phrase. It says, he said, he cannot, you cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot have it both ways because it's the number one indicator of your heart is what you do with money. Money never truly satisfies. Here's a great verse in Ecclesiastes chapter 5. It says this, He that loves silver shall not be satisfied with what? Silver. Now that's an odd statement. Because you think if you get it, then you're going to be set. No. He said, if you love silver, you'll never be satisfied with silver. It's elusive. Nor he that loves abundance with increase. What God is saying is it's never going to be enough. How do I know that? Because people who make $10,000 a year, on average, give 5.2% to charities. And people who make two hundred thousand dollars a year only give less than one percent to charities because they need more of what they already have more of i don't know where you are economically i don't know if you're like you're like in an upswing in your life or a downturn or if you are making more than you ever have but if you have experienced abundance you know i'm right because even in the midst of your abundance, you're, you're still concerned about the future. You're still concerned about saving. You're still concerned about making a little bit more. And you can't imagine living on what you had because it's elusive and you always need to have just a little bit more. So here's the blessed test. See if you can say this. I will give God my first and my best so he can bless the rest. That's the test. And if you can say that with all your heart and you put that into action, then I believe you'll live a blessed life. I will give God my first and my best so he can bless the rest. Because here's the truth. It's a matter of priorities. And when God is at the top of the list, he gets the first, and he gets the best. But when he's on the bottom of the list, he kind of gets the dregs and the leftovers. It's more like a tip, right? But he gave it to you. He gave all of it to you. It's a way for us to show our faith, and it's a way for us to show our love. It's not that God needs your money. And I think, to be honest with you, that's the way a lot of people look at it. Well, he's God. He doesn't need my money. And you use that to rationalize your lack of generosity and your lack of obedience. But I believe that God does not need your money. I believe that you need to give it. I think that, I, <laughs> don't underestimate what God has put into place here. God knows that if you give him your first and your best, your faith will grow. And then God can bless the rest. 
But God also knows that if you just hoard it all and feel like I just have to have a little bit more and that's never enough, you'll never be satisfied. And God wants to bless you, but the test of blessing you is putting him first. There's so many benefits to giving. We're going to cover just a few of them, and then we'll be done. And I really am not going to linger on each point, so kind of bear with me. But I want to, to make a case, if you will, for generosity and for giving. The first thing is that giving provides for God's work through his church. Now, there's a lot of charities out there. There's a lot of ways to give your money. There's a lot of ways to help people, and I get that. But the church is one of the only things that God actually established. The reason we're meeting here is because this is something that God created. And he instituted the church as a place to be encouraged, as a place to to learn and to fellowship and to enjoy the company of one another and to bear one another's burdens. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, when we read about a storehouse in the Old Testament, that is the New Testament equivalent of the church. So God is talking to the people of Israel here. He says, bring you all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. So God is saying here, I want you to bring your tithes to a central location so that there is enough, he called it meat in those days, but but enough wherewithal to meet the needs of that ministry and do what God needed to do. Through your giving, we have been able to help start an orphanage in Nigeria. We've been able to build a house, help build the, help the halls build their house in Brazil. We've been able to support regularly Young Life here in town. We have... We have uh, six or seven mission organizations, missional people that we actually, we actually write checks and send it to them, and it's a significant amount, and it's, and it's something that our church feels passionate about, and that's all possible. Now, could that happen outside of the church? Sure. God just designed it to take place through his church. This is what he created right here. It's a beautiful thing to be a part of, but giving provides for God's work through his church. Also, giving teaches us to put God first. I mean, we all have priorities, and God just wants to be on the top of your list. In Deuteronomy chapter 14, 23, again, he's talking to the people of Israel here, but he specifically talks about the benefit of giving. He says this, and you shall eat before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose to place his name there, the tithe of thy corn, of thy wine, and of thine oil, and of the firstlings of thy herbs, and the fox, that you may learn to fear the Lord thy God always. And there is something about giving that puts your heart in the right spot. There's something about giving that causes you to trust God more, that you may learn to put God first. I can't think of a better, more practical way to show your love for God than giving. And right now, your attitude about this message is a pretty good indicator of where you are on this faith journey. And I'm going to say this as kindly as I can because the givers here, 
the people who understand that it all belongs to God, and I'm just going to give a portion of what he's given me. They're sitting here going, yeah, you're right. I love to hear messages like this. I completely agree. Eric, I can give testimony. It works. That's the conversations like I had in the, in the foyer last week or the email that I received. Eric, I'm telling you, it works. We started this, and then God did this. As my faith grew, I was able to give more, and God did more for me. And this is, it's a wonderful cycle. Those are the stories I like to hear. But some folks are saying, why the heck did we come here this morning? And I get it. It's not my favorite topic. But I've done this in my own personal life for as long as I can remember. We weren't always in church, but my mom and dad always gave. They always realized the importance and significance of putting God first in their finances. So for me, it's not a big leap of faith to give because it's something I've always done. And I try and empathize with you. If you're not giving anything, how do you start giving something? Because, I mean, then it's like, then we'd have to change everything. I mean, if we started giving regularly and we, and, and we put God first in our money, let's say we gave 10%. Well, good night, Eric. I mean, I've got to rearrange all of my finances. Yeah, like maybe we'd put God first, and then we wouldn't be able to have cable. God forbid. It's okay if I don't have cable because I have DirecTV. <laughs> but we, I mean, you know, maybe we have to put God first in front of Starbucks, or maybe we'd have to... Yeah, that's kind of what it's all about. I mean, I'm not trying, I'm trying to make this as nice as I can, but I can't sugarcoat that. When you give 10% to God, that means you're not giving it somewhere else. And that takes faith. That's why it's so important to God. I'm going to step out on faith and do what I believe God wants me to do with my money, and then I'm going to give, the, I'm going to give that to God, and then I'm going to let God bless the rest. I mean, just see what happens. And let me tell you, even if he didn't bless you another dime, he still deserves 10%. Even if he doesn't ever give you any more than he already has, you're still blessed with 90% of everything you earn, and you don't deserve any of it. But God doesn't work that way. God says, I'm going to put you to the test. Give me 10% and just prove me. Let, me. let me show you what I can do. No, God, I got to have all of it. I got to have, I mean, out of 100 bucks, I get to keep 90. But I've got to have that 10 more dollars because that's going to make all the difference in my life. And God is not going to make you do it. And I don't know if it's true, but I heard a pastor say when I was younger, he said, you're going to live on 90%. Whether you give 10% to God or not. What does that mean, Eric? That means your car is going to break down. It means school is going to cost more. It means groceries are going to get more expensive. You're going to live on 90%. And I can't back that up in the Bible, but it sure preaches well. 
But there is something to be, to be said there. It's like, really, God, I can't afford to give you 10%. And that's all. And what I love about percentages is that it's the same for everybody. It's not a graduated tax, right? If you make more, you got to pay more. No, it's, it's not like our IRS. It's the same for everybody. It's a sacrifice. It's just as hard for me to write a check now as it was when I was making much less. It's just as hard. Just another zero on the end. But I am not going to live my life without the blessings of God. It's a powerful truth. And the last reason, I, and honestly, I thought about reasons like the example that you set for your children and in, 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 in allowing them to, to learn how to be generous and hold the things in their life very loosely that, that God gave it to them, but God can have. I mean, there's so many benefits for you as, a, you as a mom or a dad to give. And let me just say this. If you're convinced that you ought to give, then give. If your spouse is not con- convinced that they ought to give, then they don't need to give. But if you need to give, then give. And just see what God does. If you get, you know, a grocery allowance or if you get whatever, honor God with whatever you get and just see what God does. It's a, it's a faith journey. It's, it's a where are you on the journey? And that's the last point here is, is that giving increases our faith in God. And, and I know it doesn't make sense. But living on 90% with God's blessing is better than living on 100% without it. And that's why it grows your faith. Because you're like, I don't see how I can do this, God. I can't say, oh, we're making it. Look how God's blessing. Now, okay, I can't believe it was so hard to make that step, but man, here I am, and, and we're, we're making this happen. I don't know what you've got going on in your life, and I don't know where you are financially, and I don't know where you are spiritually, and I don't know where you are in your faith journey. I just want you to take a step. And maybe it's not this, right? Maybe, maybe it's not that. Maybe it's more like this. And then it's like this. I'm cool with that. I know God is going to be like, okay, all right. I can bless that. I believe this is where he wants you to be. But I believe he can bless this too right here. I think he's happy with that. Because it's about the direction that you're going, right? Don't stop here. I mean, you know. But giving increases our faith. Back to Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. He said, I want you to prove me now. All right, this is the blessed test. Do you love money or do you love me? Will you put me first and love me most or are you going to trust money instead? Okay, now God is saying, I want you to test me. If you can, <laughs> if you can see it and, and understand it and commit to it, God says, you give And you exercise your faith, put me to the test, and just see what will happen. He says to the people of Israel here, and you just prove me now to see what I won't do. Even if you tell me that this verse was Old Testament, doesn't apply to us, even if you told me that, this still shows the character of God. The character of God is, I'm not going to owe you anything. Right? I'm not going to be beholden to you. 
I'm God. I'm not, I'm never going to owe you anything. So God's character is such that if you give, he will bless. Interesting thing, if you ever do a study of numbers in the Bible, numbers mean certain things. I think five is grace. Six is man or the system of this world. Seven is perfection, I think, or God or something. That sounded really bad, didn't it? It's God or something. (laughs) Ten is the number of testing. That's where I was going. Ten is the number of ten plagues, ten commandments, the ten virgins, the ten lepers, and ten percent. Just interesting. It's probably worth the admission anyway, coming in here this morning. So here, let me just finish with this. We give God, we give to God first. We give to God first. Why is that, Eric? Because it requires faith to give first. And if you give last, (laughs) it just doesn't require faith. When you give to God first, that requires faith. But when you give last, it doesn't. I'll, I'll tell you what I'll do, Eric. I'll make a deal with you. You're not making a deal with me, by the way. I'll make a deal. If, if I pay all my bills and there's money left over, I'll, 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 I'll give some to God. Oh, I'm sure he really appreciates that. I'm sure he really appreciates your tip and your leftovers. But what God wants is he wants what's first. He wants the first and the best so he can bless the rest. So if you give first, then it requires faith. I cannot tell you how many times in my life we were up to our nose in bills for medical expenses. And we would cut that check to God every time. Even though there was pressure and we hated to answer the phone call and it was a miserable existence, we cut the check to God. And we took care of that first, and he blessed our faith. And then there was other times when I was just stupid, and God still took care of me because he knows that about me. Look what God says in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with thy substance. Isn't that beautiful? Honor God with what you have. How do we honor him with our car? How do we honor him with our house? How do we honor him with what we own? By giving it and offering it to him. And with the first fruits of all thine increase, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst forth with new wine. I don't, I really don't, I don't know what this means for you. But it's a challenge to me because I want God's blessing all my life. I want him to bless my family. And I've just been alive too long not to know that he wins all the time. God just wins. And you can try and come up with your own way of making it all happen, but my suggestion to you is that you step out on faith and that you give. I believe 10% is the minimum for a Christian. I, I, I do. You and I can sit down and have coffee. We can debate that. You're not going to change my mind, but I would enjoy the coffee. And I enjoy my conversation with you. 
I had a conversation with somebody after this morning's message. Is it, is it 10% off of the gross or 10% off of net? I'll be honest with you. From where you are, where we, start, I believe in the gross because, I mean, if, if God is first, that means he's first before Uncle Sam. He's first in line. That's, that, he's first before Uncle Sam. That's, that's what I believe. So, but but if, if, if you're not giving nothing and you think you can probably manage the net, do it off the net. I mean, just start somewhere. Just, I had a loved one of mine. They used to tithe all the time, used to give regularly, and they were just struggling financially, and they weren't giving a dollar to God. So from where they were, 10% was un, unimaginable. Now, I would love to have seen it happen to where they just started giving 10% and God just took care of them. But they weren't there in their faith journey, so they started here. And God took care of them. And then they went to here, and God blessed them even more. And I think we have a loving Heavenly Father who wants what's best for you. And this is His plan. And this is the blessed test. But let me tell you this He gave it all first. For God, so loved the world that he gave, right? Romans 5, 8, but God commended or he showed his love to us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We, we were not deserving of it, but he extended salvation and gave his son to die without the guarantee that you would receive him. That's love, and that's the love that he wants from us. And I don't know where you are in your faith. Maybe you're here today, and you're like, I knew this was what church was all about. I wish you'd been here like the other 50 weeks in the year, because that's just like not who we are. But this is so important in your faith journey. Show your love for God. Exercise your faith in him. And begin to give regularly to the work of God and give it to him and just see what he does. I'm excited to hear your stories. Give it three months. And I mean that. Challenge yourself for three months that I'm just going to start November 1 and I'm just going to give God whatever amount that he lays on your heart. I'm a believer of 10%. It's like that's, that's where it is. I mean, that's, this is so important because it's so important. And the reason people have such a hard time with it is because God knows it's the number one competitor for him. So let's get our finances in order. And let's put God to, let's put God to the test for three months. Just see if you can really prove God on this one. And then what I'd love to do is I'd love to hear from you. And I'd like to let the church know how God has blessed you. Because I've already got my brain working about doing some different things to just show God's goodness to us and how when we're willing just to give him a tenth of what he's given to us, he just blesses so much more. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we are in awe of how much you have blessed us. And honestly, if we lived off of half of what you have given us, we would already be living better than 95% of the rest of the world. God, I am so ashamed about what I waste and what I and how I don't trust you. I pray, Father, you would help this be a way that we can grow our faith 
in you. We love you and we thank you and we are blessed and we are grateful for it. Help us to show that as your people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.